wounds that never heal, and a familiar sight, and a beautiful experience to be surrounded by people you know, and people that you don't know intimately, but you've seen them on TV and online, and they gather together and pay tribute to another fallen voice. And I, uh, the moment I entered Lukman Slim's garden, and just within a few min, within a few seconds, I sort of, I felt the same feeling. It's not my loss. It's not my personal loss. It's a national loss. Yet, it feels so familiar. It felt familiar yesterday as soon as I started approaching people that wanted to speak to me and it's the same conversation except it's not about my father it's curiosity over my thoughts on Lukman Slim and his assassination and you have the journalists nearby you have the activists you have the unusual group of people like me it's Malik Mruwe, uh, Lukman Slim's sister, Rasha, his, his mother, his dignified mother, and, and I'm standing sort of nearby and just taking a look that Malik's father was killed, Rasha's brother was killed, and my father was killed. And we're all just sort of, we're there. And there's an abnormal normalcy to this in Lebanon. Where you don't think about it necessarily, but once you're sort of in that moment, you realize that these are people that have gone through the same tragedy. And tragedy is what brings these people together. It's what brought, brought me there. And I made my way through the garden spoke to people that I haven't seen in, in years and sort of several people approached me, whether it was from the podcast or from the tour or from just sort of uh, knowing who I am. And I sort of made my way to Lukman's wife, Monica, and had a, had a lovely brief conversation with her and uh, it took me back to my father's funeral the side conversations I was having and the yearning to speak with someone who could lighten the mood and I just I remembered wanting that and so I thought why not lighten the mood and just, you know, within a minute or two in the conversation, I sort of made a, I made a, a light, sort of light joke. It was just a, something, a, a benign and, and friendly comment and sort of jokingly I said something and she started laughing. And that, I think that made the whole thing, I don't know, it just, it made sense. And it made me so happy that I was there. And, uh. There were some tears in her eyes, and there was a smile beneath her mask. 
so I, I thought I'd capture just the moment right after. And with her permission, I, I took a photo of us, and you can see her, her beautiful smile beneath the mask, her eyes sort of uh, expressing that joy despite all the pain, and I hope my eyes were expressing that as well. I think you can find beauty in these times of tragedy. They're hard, but once you get them, you capture them, and for me, that's what I prefer remembering. These very sweet moments, and then these terrible, terrible circumstances. And uh, I was thinking about it this morning, just uh, these are not wounds. I think, uh, I think these are permanent scars. And uh, the permanency may be psychological, emotional, and these are mental scars that don't always show themselves um, when you're going about your daily life, daily routine, or trying to sort of just move on. But they're, they're scars, and they don't heal. Unlike wounds, they simply stay permanently. And the scars of violence, it's not just a few people, obviously. But, uh, and it's not just, it's not just human. Going from Ashrafiyye to Ghbayri, going into Hara Tehrik, reaching the garden, that lovely oasis. Sorry to use this cliche here, but it really a lovely garden surrounded by, you know, concrete jungle like the rest of the city. But seeing the civil war scars on buildings that are still there, and they're they're all they're still all over Beirut. But sort of I caught them in Beirut yesterday, just bullets and shrapnel and damage from the war years. Seeing faded fo- photos, faded posters of Hassan Nasrallah, of uh, fallen Hezbollah fighters. Seeing fresh sort of posters of Qasem Soleimani. Um, Seeing old ragtag photos of Nabi Hibri and faded Amal flags. Ah, this is all scars from the war. And there's uh, there's this this healing, if you will. I don't know. I don't know what the word would be. It's it, you know what it is. It's scar tissue. It's scar tissue. It's the uh, it's the healing that's necessary to cover a scar. But the scar itself remains, and it's visible, and that's what it is. It's the civil war never really ended, yet it ended. The post-war years were full of their own scarring and own forms of violence. The July war, the July two thousand six war, is just right around. I mean, it's there. It's near his villa. It's in that neighborhood. It's in Dahi, and. Yeah, that's like the war. Sure, the battle is over. That battle ended. The war technically ended. We're technically in a post-war environment, yet scarring continues. And scar tissue, I think, is really what the country is all about. I mean, you go to the mountains of Lebanon, nature scarred by Lebanese making quick money and selling whatever is left of the beauty of this country. The coast is 
littered with trash and toxins. The coast is scarred, the environment is scarred. The urban landscape is more or less destroyed, scarred by the worst forms of real estate enterprise and and, uh, recklessness and theft and lack of any planning or any zoning that matters. And just walking around, driving around, living in a country that is scarred. So maybe beneath those cars, there's those wounds that just uh, they, 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 they're patched up, but there's a permanency to the damage that's been done. At least I think so. And then there are smiles as well, and there's love. And for a country that is so screwed up, for all the reasons that have been discussed on this podcast and on every single conversation happening on the streets of Beirut all the time throughout Lebanon, Lebanese diaspora, uh, all the talk about what happened to Lebanon from God knows when. You want to go back to 1943, you want to go back to the 19th century, go back to the civil war, go back to the Syrian occupation, focus now on Hezbollah. All of that aside, There's genuine love in this country. And yesterday, Monica and I felt it. Hundreds of people gathering, showing their love for a family that has gone through a personal tragedy, personal personal suffering, yet it's shared suffering, it's national suffering. And... There is emotion, and there's there's comfort, and there's love, and that's the trade-off. You get love in return for all that's happened to Lebanon. And through those emotions, through that care, words that Monica expressed online, words that resonate with me, and words that matter, to anyone with a voice trying to end the scarring and one day bet on a country that may stop scarring itself um, words that I think uh, thousands if not more of us shared online and saw together Sifr no fear and no negotiation with murderers, no capitulation to criminals, and absolutely no regret for speaking your mind, and no hesitation to confront the issue head-on. And those words matter to me. They matter to her, obviously, They matter to anyone who is still trying to rebuild a country that's not in violence all the time, that's not sinking, rather it's stable, and rebuild its foundation that was stolen decades ago. Sifr no fear.
Thank you.